Welcome to the Road to Health podcast, a podcast series focused on real Rhode Islanders who are making a difference in the health and wellness of communities across our state. Each episode will take you inside a health topic that affects Rhode Islanders with the hope of informing and empowering you to navigate the confusing but vitally important role of healthcare in your life. Please welcome this week's host, Rena Sheehan. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Rena Sheehan, and I'm the Managing Director of Behavioral Health at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island, and I will be your host today. In this episode, we'll be talking about a very important topic that impacts an increasing number of Rhode Islanders, mental health. Joining us today are Karen Horowitz, who is the Director of Outpatient Child Psychiatry and Behavioral Health Services at Lifespan, and Director of Outpatient Services at Bradley Hospital, and Dr. Matt Collins, Family Doctor, and the Vice President of Clinical Integration at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island. Welcome to the podcast, Karen and Matt. A great starting point for our discussion today is the recently released Health of America report, which is a report released by the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association, which showed that Rhode Island had the highest rates of depression in the country at 6.4%. Matt, can you explain a little bit about this report and maybe some thoughts about why you think this trend occurred? I sure can. I just want to clarify that it was rates of depression diagnosis, which um, is relevant when I explain exactly what this report is made up of. So uh, obviously health insurance companies have access to a lot of information. It comes in through claims. Claims includes things like diagnoses. And all of those claims are aggregated by the association from many, but not all of the Blue Cross associated plans across the country. And information is used to feedback both to policymakers and to the plans themselves to help inform about uh, medical trends, health trends, the status of the health of the population. In this report in particular, it did show that the rate of diagnosis was among the highest in the country here in Rhode Island. So I just want to make that clear. It may not be a prevalence or incidence in the epidemiological sort of terms, but it is just the prevalence of that diagnosis being seen in the claims. Great. One thing the report did state is that the rates of diagnosis might be impacted by efforts in screening for depression. Mm -hmm. Can you comment on that at all, given your experience with the primary care transformation efforts in Rhode Island? I sure can. Um, So as you said, uh, Rhode Island has quite a robust patient-centered medical home initiative, an attempt to uh, that's been going on for, for many years to transform primary care practices into NCQA, or National Commission for Quality Assurance, accredited patient-centered medical homes. That's a mouthful. But basically, it makes uh, advanced primary care. In, those, uh, in that initiative, uh, one of the big uh, areas of focus has been the integration of behavioral health into primary care. The first thing you got to do in order to address prim- uh, behavioral health in a primary care setting or in any setting is screen for behavioral health conditions. So there's been a lot of effort around screening for depression and for other disorders such as anxiety and substance abuse among the patient-centered medical homes in Rhode Island, of which we actually have the highest density of any state in the country, uh, which is quite extraordinary when you think about all the effort that had to go into creating that situation. Right. Thank you. One of the things that the report points out is that the rates of depression diagnosis are increasing rapidly among millennials. Karen, can you talk a little bit about why that might be? I think that um, while we don't know conclusively the reasons that depression is going up, um, both the 
information that Blue Cross Blue Shield collected, as well as there is another um, very large-scale article, research article from pediatrics. Um, What they say is that controlling for many other demographic factors, it seems as though this really is an increase in the amount of depression in this population. And we don't think that millennials are biologically or genetically different all of a sudden within the past decade. So what could it be that's shifting? Um, it is not, they controlled for many, as I said, many socio-demographic characteristics, and those really did not seem to be the reason. Um, there is some emerging data that one of the contributing factors could be electronics use um, among millennials. Um, Boys are more susceptible to video game addiction, and girls are more susceptible to social media um, excessive use. Both of these lead to problems with peers, conflict at home, social isolation, and this could be a contributing factor to increased rates of depression. Great, thank you. Are you seeing a similar trend among adolescents and youth? Absolutely, similar trend. Well, given all of this, what do you think we should be doing about it? Well, I think just in the way that Blue Blue Cross Blue Shield has been supporting screening efforts, um, the American Academy of Pediatrics is also supporting increased screening efforts because Um, In order to intervene, the first thing we have to do is identify um, the problem. And uh, so they have, there are many practices throughout our state that are now screening for depression. And the recommendation is that they screen all patients annually, 12 and over, over for depression. Um, So once they do that screening, um, the idea would be that they then initiate treatment. Matt, do you have any thoughts on that as well? Uh, well, I'm actually really enlightened to hear this as a, a father of two adolescent boys <laughs> um, who do spend an awful lot of time uh, in front of screens, and, and that's a real concern, and it's kind of a it's, it's societal issue right now. So we really, we screen for these things and identify them. I think we really got to empower and enable uh, caregivers and whatnot to, to deal with that thing, because I think a lot of the young kids don't really recognize maybe signs and symptoms of depression or anxiety. So it really calls upon us as the parents and caregivers to recognize that. I think it's, it does really say something um, about the general approach to this. Uh, and, you know, if, if the depression diagnoses are high here and that's supported by, um, you know, uh, robust literature, then, uh, and we also know that inpatient uh, general hospital admission is very high here relative to any other part of the country. Um, and yet we also know from past reports that uh, Rhode Islanders generally have a, a sense that they have unmet behavioral health care needs. And so all that combines it says that, you know, we've got to take a community-based kind of approach to this. And uh, there's no stakeholder who should be left out of solution finding for this because, uh, you know, the emotional well-being is essential for physical well-being. We're all, you know, biopsychosocial organisms and you've got to have a way to address all of that in order to achieve optimal health. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break. Let's take a quick break for healthcare basics. 
Each episode, we take a minute to shed light on common healthcare terms you may encounter. This episode's healthcare basics topic is specialists. A specialist is a doctor who has special training in treating certain illnesses or areas of the body. Your primary care provider may suggest you see a specialist if you have a specific health problem. For example, you may be referred to a cardiologist if you need specialized care related to your heart and blood vessels. Your primary care provider may suggest you see a dermatologist if you are having an issue with your hair, skin, or nails. Your primary care provider can help determine if you need specialty care. Welcome back to our broadcast with Dr. Matt Collins and Dr. Karen Horowitz as we continue to discuss depression in Rhode Island. How do you think some of our recent policy changes, such as lowering the copayment to be consistent with the primary care copayment and the elimination of utilization management for our in-network providers, how do you think that will impact um, our efforts to solve this problem? Um, I just want to say that as a mental health provider for children, I am incredibly excited that Blue Cross is taking the lead on um, some parity in regards to co-payments for our patients. Um, We know that there's a huge connection between mental health and physical health and restricting families unwittingly because they can't afford it is not going to be helpful um, to those kids. And we certainly want to treat these children and families before the problems escalate and become more serious. And we certainly want to keep kids out of inpatient psychiatric hospitals. Great. Thank you. Karen, Bradley has a program called the PDPRN program. Can you talk a little bit about that program and its role in helping family doctors and pediatricians address depression? Sure. Um, We are really excited that we were awarded a portion of the SIM grant, which is a federal grant that was given to the state of Rhode Island. And uh, they are supporting us to create the PDPRN program, which stands for Pediatric Psychiatry Resource Network. Um, We are also funded by the Rhode Island Foundation and the Van Buren Foundation. So we're very appreciative to have all of that support to get this program up and running. And what it does is recognize that there's a national shortage of child psychiatry and children's mental health providers uh, throughout, throughout the country. And um, you have this shortage. And as you're hearing, we're having an increase in the um, intensity of mental health problems that kids are facing and seeking treatment for. So um, what we're trying to do is to support pediatric primary care providers in initiating treatment for kids that may be presenting with mild to moderate behavioral health problems so that we may be able to prevent the escalation of their symptoms um, to a point that they're more severe and requiring um, child psychiatrists, um, child psychiatric providers. Sounds like a wonderful resource that's much needed in the community. Thank you. One of I the- can just attest to that, Rena. This um, I've, I've used a similar service in another state, and it was really fantastic because, as you said, Karen, you know it's it's really hard to get kids into uh, to, to psychiatric care, um, whatever level, whether it's a prescriber level or or just therapy level. People that have that expertise are are few in number, <laughs> and it's great to be able to pick up the phone and, and call and get some support to uh, whether it's around a diagnosis or medication application or just a referral. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys stepping forward and offering that program for Rhode Island. 
I'm glad that you um, expanded on that a little bit. I think that what is important is that this is a service available Monday through Friday to all pediatric primary care providers, and it is a telephonic consultation service so that within 30 minutes, um, they can get some support in addressing the needs of the kids that are in their office. Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll see you back in a few minutes. Hi, I'm Carolyn Belisle from Community Relations at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island. Let's take a minute to highlight one of the local nonprofit organizations Blue Cross partners with in the Rhode Island community. Founded in 1999, the Rhode Island Free Clinic's mission is to provide free, comprehensive medical care and preventive health services to adults who have no health insurance and cannot afford those services, and also to serve as an educational training site for aspiring healthcare professionals. The clinic mobilizes vital health resources for Rhode Island's uninsured, working poor, and low-income adults. The clinic also provides the most efficient and cost-effective alternative to emergency rooms for uninsured residents seeking comprehensive healthcare. Blue Cross has supported the clinic's mission for more than a decade and continues to enhance their work by serving as the signature funder of their wellness programs. Support from Blue Cross has helped the clinic to provide patients with wellness programs including diabetes education, nutrition counseling, fitness, and physical therapy. For more information on our community partnerships, please visit bcbsri.com backslash community. Welcome back to our broadcast with Dr. Matt Collins and Dr. Karen Horowitz as we continue to discuss depression in Rhode Island. As we look to continue to create more resources, one of the things that we hear is that stigma prevents people from actually accessing some of those resources that are available. Can you talk a little bit about the role of stigma and how that impacts people's care? Well, I think that, um, unfortunately, um, while we've made some progress in people learning more about mental health problems and even having celebrities talk about their own mental health struggles, when it comes to the family level, there's still a lot of cultural and personal um, beliefs that get in the way of acknowledging that your child has a psychiatric disorder. Of course, we in the field know that psychiatric problems are medical conditions and often genetically passed on, just like other medical conditions like diabetes or hypertension. But not all people understand this. And unfortunately, we hear a lot that People wish that their child would sort of toughen up or just pull it together or try harder. Um, And if you're really suffering from depression, anxiety, severe ADHD, other mood disorders and behavior disorders, um, you really need treatment. What are some things do you think that we could be doing to address stigma? Either one question for either one of you. Uh, That's a great question. I'd love to hear Karen's response to that. But I think... um, you have to bring it up in uh, in conversation regularly. I think that uh, that certainly as a as a medical provider, it's got to be that I create a space where it's really comfortable to talk about those things. And sometimes you put them in different phrasings, as if you know you you may want to for some people avoid using the diagnosis type words. 
and you use words that describe the way they feel, the symptoms that they feel, the heart racing, the sadness, the lack of energy, the trouble sleeping and things like that. And if you put it in those kind of contexts, sometimes people have a greater acceptance for uh, getting help around those, you know, relief of those symptoms. So you, but at some point, we've all got to be comfortable with the terms as well. I mean, we are complex uh, organisms and our brain is a very complicated organ. And uh, just like the heart and the lungs, sometimes, you know, it runs into trouble and needs mm-hmm. some help. So mm-hmm. Karen, what, what would you say? Well, about that? Uh, it's an interesting perspective. I mean, I think that what I find is that people are actually typically relieved to have a diagnosis and know that there's a name for what they're experiencing and to be able to do some reading about it. Um, and, you know, we definitely encourage some guided reading, sort of getting people to websites that could be helpful for, to help them not feel alone and to be able to support parents. Because I think that what can happen is without that diagnosis, uh, I hear that a lot of parents feel really guilty and responsible for their children's symptoms when, in fact, we know they're not. You know, there certainly are things that parents can do to support their children to get better, just as they can support their children to get better with other medical conditions, but they're certainly not responsible for the fact that they have that condition in the first place. Right. And the more information people have about the facts versus how people feel or view things, then the more they might be willing to accept the treatment that's available. Thank you. I imagine it could be hard for people to figure out where they should go if they might be having some symptoms or experiencing some form of depression. I know for our members, we have a website called Achieve Solutions, which can be found at achievesolutions.org, which is a wealth of information about a variety of behavioral health issues or concerns. Do you have any suggestions about other resources that we might point folks to? So... um A really wonderful resource for families would be if they went to the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry website. It's aacap.org, and there's a section called Facts for Families. And if people click on there, they could find information about a broad range of children's mental health, behavioral health problems, and some a one-page description and um, information about treatment. Um, also, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, would be another really good website. Um, they have some very helpful tips for doing media plans. Um, so just to get back to the electronics, um, really helpful, um, information about how to help to manage your kids and their media use. Um, and then the last one regarding media use that I just want to put out there for families would be to look at Common Sense Media. Um, it's a really helpful website that will also give parents information about um, all different forms of media that's out there, what they should know about each video game what they should know about movies, and to really be educating themselves about what their children are doing online and also how to help set limits. Great. Thank you. I'm I'm just aware if if folks want some uh, support locally, I'm aware of the the Parent Support Network and then the Rhode Island Parent Information Network, which are both very active groups that uh, provide support for this and, and a lot of other needs for parents and caregivers. I just wanted to add um, that all parents should be thinking about their children's sleep. 
Um, disruptions of sleep, either too much sleep or too little sleep, can be signs of depression, anxiety, and other behavioral health problems. And a lack of sleep can actually exacerbate underlying depression and anxiety and actually lead to some of those symptoms. Um, When kids are on their electronic devices at nighttime, whether it's just having their phone next to their bed and their friend is contacting them because they're having a struggle um, or because they're on video games or Netflix, that really disrupts their sleep. And poor sleep hygiene is a problem for children and teenagers. So it's very important for parents to help protect their children's sleep in the same way that parents protect their children's diet or their other activities that they participate in. Thank you. I'm definitely going to check out Common Sense Media as a parent of a teenager as well. Well, thank you for joining us today to engage in this really important conversation. And we look forward to having additional conversations that try to address stigma and just bring facts to people who might be struggling with a behavioral health need. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rena. That's it for this episode of the Road to Health podcast, brought to you by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island. Our producer is Jill Flaxington. Our sound engineer is Jonathan Finn. For more information on the topics discussed or to listen to our library of episodes, please visit bcbsri.com. If you'd like to connect with us or have a story to tell, we are at BCBSRI on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Thanks for listening.